some kids born in 1995, has no idea who Patrick Mahomes is, has big dreams of being the best quarterback of all time, does everything they possibly can to be that quarterback. Every camp, they knock it out of the park, and then Patrick Mahomes gets traded up for, and he might be the best to ever do it. And you're like, well, fuck. I guess I can't be very good because I can't beat this guy every time. It's going to take a few tries. Could have happened the other night. Josh Allen played really well. Patrick Mahomes is just that fucking good. And the Chiefs are just that good. Welcome to the Green Light Podcast. Cowboy, take me away. Thank you for tuning in today. Chris is on the run. He had a big day. So we recorded a special mailbag episode. Thanks to you all for sending in those great mailbag questions. We answered a few. Starting things off, Chris has a little bit of a grievance against Senator Chuck Schumer. Chuck goes after Zinn, as I'm sure you heard, one of the staples here at Studio J. So we talk about the merits of Zinn and what it hasn't made us do. And then we talk a little football. Josh Allen and how playing Patrick Mahomes might affect his legacy. We talk Kirk Cousins' landing spots for next season where he might play. Teams that Chris likes Kirk to play for. And then Chris matches a couple actors, a couple random actors, to football players. That's right, we get after Paul Rudd, Will Ferrell, Jack Nicholson, a couple others. And then to end, Chris details a few teams that he would have liked to play for over his career and why. A fun little mailbag for you all. Thank you for tuning in. We have a good time. Hey, listen, this is one of those shows. I don't have a lot of time to prepare between the live show Monday, the ride up to Philly, all the work calls I got to get done. I just get behind it sometimes. And I got to tell you, sometimes I don't feel like doing a podcast. I have fought that urge right now. I'm not trying to make it seem like I'm a fucking truck driver. I don't do something really actually hard for a living. I'm just a podcaster. Um, so I'm not looking for sympathy, but sometimes I just don't have it between there were only four games this weekend. What do you want me to do? Read a bunch of articles about coaches and tell you what I read. I just don't have it in me today, you know? So what you're going to get is you're going to get a mailbag pod. Um, you certainly don't have to like it. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is like, cut me some slack every once in a while. I just, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm worn out and I got home tonight, super late. We had a charity event in Philly after that inside the NFL um, and one thing I miss about this show as it's gotten more popular or whatever you want to say, or like we, we've, we've, we, we strive to put out more football content is there's less time for you and me to just catch up, you know, just bullshit. I used to do this all the time. I used to just get on the mic and go and, uh, the, the shows change in a really good way where we have a lot of people on the show. But now that I get this home studio, some nights where I don't feel like doing it, I'm just going to cut the mic on and answer your questions instead of trying to make something up. That's what this podcast is about. It's about your questions. We're going to do some mailbags, a couple football questions, and uh, then some like off-the-wall shit. So if you get to the back half of this podcast, just know like, I'm not trying to give you um, the sports reporters today. Like This is, this is uh, – this is more grandma's boy. 
or something like that. It's just a fucking, it's a disaster. Okay. It's a great film. Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, I'm just likening it to the intellect of the people in the, the movie Grandma's Boy. The people on Sports Reporters, they were, they were real sports reporters. I used to watch them in the, in the early aughts, as Macon would say. Wake up in the morning before I had hangovers. Life was so simple, you know? Dopamine. You get the dopamine hit from the sports reporters. Now I got to throw a, a Zen in and you got to hit the porch and that sort of thing. It was so simple back in the day. All right. Speaking of Zen, this is one topic I want to get into before we get to the mailbag. So Chuck Schumer's making a big deal about all these, these Zen pillows. And I got three of them in right now. They're, they're, they're menthols, they're sixes, and I'm about to do a podcast good enough that Chuck Schumer should probably put the podcast in the Library of fucking Congress. And I'm doing it on three pillows here. I'm doing it on three Zens. Um, I'm kind of joking. Obviously, Zen nicotine in general, for me, is a bit of a performance enhancer, okay? Like, it is what it is. I can't drink coffee. I, I don't do caffeine. You know, caffeine's a drug. Where are we cracking down on caffeine? Okay? Uh but Chuck Schumer wants to pick on the little pillows, right? This is the Chuck Schumer. When I got on chuckschumer.senate.something else uh, and saw what he was up to lately, I think it was January 22nd, I saw Chuck Schumer was pushing through an approval through the FATTTB, which is the dumbest acronym of all time. It's the Federal Alcohol Tobacco Tax trade bureau something to that effect is that true matt alcohol and tobacco tax and trade bureau holy shit now i just did that with three sixes in my mouth if i can remember that maybe it is a performance and answer but it, he just pushed something through the fa triple tb uh chuck schumer did he approved fifteen thousand barrels of bourbon through the F-A-T-T-T-B. And he's talking about Zen. And I almost think the Zen thing is a diversion tactic. So nobody's like, why is Chuck Schumer trying to kill us with all the, uh, the, the hard liquor? You know, like he's taking it to Zen because it's marketable to, to kids and that sort of thing. Like, I haven't seen a bunch of commercials that market to kids. And I'm sure somebody will lecture me on why they found a Zen in their kid's pocket or in their, like, listen. I'll tell you, it's better than dipping Kodiak in high school. Uh, I wouldn't suggest it for any high school kid. I, you know, like my kid, if I catch him with, uh, uh, you know, like when my dad found me with a, a tin of Kodiak, you know what I, what I got? That thing flew at me like 95 miles an hour from the top of the steps. You know, like it, it was like dodging a Randy Johnson. <laughs> he was like, what the fuck is this? You know? Um, and I don't blame him. I'd be the same way because you're supposed to scare your kids straight when he's messing with something he shouldn't be messing with before he's 18. But this is an adult thing. You know, it's, it's an adult thing. And Chuck is all about the booze. He's all about the booze. But I'll tell you what these little pillows have never done for me. I've never, I've never done a zin and woke up in a puddle of my own urine. I've never done a zen and uh dipped into my kid's college fund at 1 a.m uh you know at the end of a rough night of gambling i've never threw in a couple pillows and 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 uh 
and been influenced to pick the wrong sexual partner, like I know a lot of you people at home have done, you single life people, you know what's going to happen because of 15,000 bottles of bourbon? A bunch of people are, are going to regret bumping uglies because of that stuff. I've never had that happen to me with Zen. Uh, I've never had, um, like, like I've never woke up in jail after I took a Zen. Like, ah, oh, fuck, what was that charge on my credit card? Must threw in some Zins last night. Uh, I've never, like, texted my boss at 1 a.m. drunk because of a Zin. Uh, oh, fuck, I drove my car into your living room. I just had gotten some Zin chills at the store. And, you know, I was on the ride home enjoying some Zin chills, so that's why my car's in your living room. That's never happened, Okay. I've never not gotten it up because I, I took too much Zen. You know, like uh, that's, these are, <laughs> I've also never truly danced like no one was watching because I had a Zen in either. But, but you get the point, you know, like Chuck, there's bigger fish to fry than, than us guys that like some pillows. And you're, you're coming after the, the little sixes and the threes. But you're pushing you're pushing fifteen thousand barrels of bourbon through the FA triple TB. Now what gives, Chuck? What gives is all I'm saying. Guys, just trying to get a little focus and clarity at two a.m. doing a podcast by way of uh, a nicotine delivery mechanism, uh, and you're shouting us down, Chuck. I don't know if we disagree on everything. I don't know what we agree on, what we don't agree on, but we disagree on this thing squarely. Okay, and I know a lot of people are making noise about this. I just wanted to throw my hat in the ring. Okay, so here's the mailbag. And again, I want to apologize about the quality of this show. Listen, like, you do this long enough, it, it, I'm not complaining. I'm not saying I'm out here digging ditches. But, you know, like, I don't like the sound of my voice. I'm tired. Uh, I've done enough on these two games that happened this weekend. There's only so much you can do right now before you dip into the, the previews. So we're going to talk about something that has nothing to do with anything. We're going to talk about what you want to talk about. And I hope to do more of these mailbag type pods. Um, cause I do miss kind of just getting on the microphone and talking to you guys. So, uh, thanks for bearing with me. For those of you who actually listen to the pod, I wanted to be consistent and put something out. Um, so here it is. Um, it's a mailbag pod. Okay. And maybe the first question was Kirk Cousins destination. Some people are asking about the Kirk Cousins destination. Uh, well, uh, we went through a couple scenarios and I think you can divide them into two categories, cap feasible and cap difficult. Okay. Because like, obviously, although the salary cap can be manipulated, like a mug in today's NFL, you still gotta you still gotta work it out. And some of these destinations that I really like, there's some work to be done. And some of these destinations that I don't like so much, people are like penciling them in there. Like one of them I don't like is Minnesota. You know, like I, he's been great there. Honestly, he has. But it's boring to me. I want to see a shakeup. I want to see Kirk somewhere else, and I want to see O'Connell with somebody else. Like. I, I want to see them turn the page and start planning for the future, whether that's keeping Kirk in 
and having him for a year as the bridge guy, I don't know if he'd do another one year deal type thing. He'd be great for a guy in, 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 in the, the locker room, in the meeting room, you know, and he could take the pressure off that guy early. You look around that division, these other teams are starting over, right? Whether it's Caleb Williams, whether it's Justin Fields, he's a lot younger, whether it's Jordan Love, like, you know, you don't want to be the team that's that's replacing a veteran quarterback in a couple of years, you know, unless you think that he's the guy that can win you a Super Bowl right now. And I, I'm not – who's to say he couldn't, you know, other than, like, past performance, and I don't mean that in a disparaging way. I just mean there's nothing yet that's telling me that I feel like they're a favorite if Kirk Cousins comes back. They're, they're, they're frisky. They're dangerous. I think they got a hell of a coach. I think they could play for the division depending on what they do. They got to resign certain guys, right? Um, you know, Justin Jefferson's contracts coming up. Hunter's contracts coming up. So there, 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 there are issues, but this is like, this is the most realistic outcome relative to all the other ones. If you look at like the way Vegas sets the odds, the Vikings are the odds on favorites. So this could be a whole lot of nothing. It could be just fill, me filling my mailbag pod with something to talk about. But boy, isn't it fun to imagine quarterbacks in other uniforms. That's like one of my favorite things. I love seeing players change teams. And most times veteran quarterbacks changing teams in free agency – it's not, it's not like a viable way to build, but I do think when you look around this year, there are some teams that could use a Kirk Cousins. I think there's some unique situations. You know, like the irony of Peyton Manning cashing in on Super Bowl in Denver is by the time he did read, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, he wasn't the same guy. You watch all the Broncos games. I mean, they're, 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 they're fucking historic offensive year it was the year they got, they got curb stomped by the Seahawks. So, you know, sometimes just having the veteran presence in the room, having that guy, you know, he doesn't have to be uh, Tom Brady in Tampa. And by the way, Tom Brady in Tampa was not Tom Brady in New England. So I think sometimes, you know, there's a case against bringing in a veteran quarterback if you think that's the last piece. But there's also a case for it. And, you know, like, I don't think Kirk Cousins and his skill levels wildly dissimilar from a 2015 Peyton Manning except for he's better and he, maybe he doesn't have what Peyton has between the ears, but he's physically off an Achilles. If he can get that thing right, he's still got some good football in him. That Super Bowl year when Peyton won, uh, a lot of people were calling for Brock Osweiler to start because Peyton was throwing so many picks and, and the offense was looking so shitty. Brock so, had like one to two games that he looked kind of decent, but uh, Peyton obviously led him to to the Super Bowl after that. But you're right, having someone in that, spot who at least knows what they're doing is a huge jump for the entire team yeah just having an adult in the room a guy who's been there before who's won like objectively Kirk Cousins he's not going to dominate these conversations we're having about Burrow Allen Lamar and obviously the gold standard Mahomes and anybody in that that echelon like we don't talk about him that way but I respect what he's done as a winner and as a teammate and as a quarterback. Like, legitimately, I think in the beginning, people hated Kirk Cousins because he wore a lot of plaid. I'm just being honest. Like, and, and I think, like, he kind of came across as kind of corny to some people. I'm not saying he is, but people make easy targets of certain quarterbacks. 
And, you know, like it's almost like in this day and age, how memeable you are is directly correlated to how short the leash is on our reaction to your, your performance. I mean, it's, it's like the Russell Wilson thing. You t- we turn on him, uh, and then we want to turn back and, and, and jump in his corner with, 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 uh, Peyton. And, but we fucking, we made a lot of fun of that guy. Uh, Kirk Cousins is playing, I, uh, but I digress. Kirk Cousins is still playing good football if he's healthy. I look at certain teams. I look at the commanders. They are cap feasible, but if you're at the commanders, you're probably thinking about a rookie quarterback. Also, if Bienemy the coach, because here I have in my notes like McLaurin, Dodson, possibly Bienemy. Uh, defense is kind of just meh, as we saw late in the year. It's hard to imagine Bienemy calling uh, calling um, Kirk Cousins a motherfucker to his face, and Kirk like taking that well. He just seems like on an index of quarterbacks who would take the word motherfucker to their face. Well, I'm not saying I've heard Bienemy call somebody a motherfucker, but that's kind of his rep. And I got no problem with it. All right. I like that stuff. Okay. You can call me a motherfucker. Motherfucker can be a term of endearment. Don't forget that. Matt, um, you would not like Eric Bienemy. <laughs> you were like Kirk Cousins in the staff meeting. Uh, you called us some hardworking motherfuckers. That's what Kirk would say. <laughs> you called me a stupid. That's what, that's what Kirk would say. Eric, you called me a stupid motherfucker or something like that. Um, the Pats have have written down here it'd have to be a godfather offer. That's 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 what Nolan said, and I agree. All right, the Raiders. Uh I could see it, sure, but I also think they're gonna draft somebody, and I really like Daniels there. I think that could be a lot of fun. Uh Atlanta, I actually like this as a destination for Kirk Cousins. You look around the the division, a retread just won that division. Okay. You know, it's like uh, the division of of uh, of found items, of like, you know, retreads, of, of opportunity. It's the land of opportunity. It's not the Freedom Caucus. It's the it's the Rehabilitation Caucus. It is and he like, has a bunch of – he's got a bunch of toys down there that he could play with. Yeah, bunch a lot of, of toys. Untap, untapped potential. bunch of untapped potential. All you got to do is be better than Ritter, and people are going to be like, all right, good. So the bar isn't high, and I don't mean this like, again, I'm going to talk to the Falcons fans in a little bit about that and some other things, but, you know, like I don't think you're following greatness, all right? So it's not tough in that respect. I think you have weapons. They are in a similar cap situation to the Vikings, like, right? It's it's kind of the same thing. So, I mean, I you know, I like Atlanta. They're like plus 600, I think the odds were. I don't know. Take that for what you will. Cap, cap, uh, cap difficult. I would I would say Steelers, but I like it. I like the Steelers idea a lot. Like I really do. Um Cowboys was an interesting one that somebody put on this list. Uh I think the bigger problem is, is like where does Dak go? Because you got to move Dak first. Um I think Miami is a name that keeps coming up or a, a city that keeps coming up. The the Dolphins I know how good this team is, and that's what's confounding to me. And through the last couple of years, when when you sense frustration in my voice and it sounds personal or whatever you want to make it, there's two sides to it. Number one, I, I hate being right and being told I'm wrong. And number two, um, the team is fucking really good. And I think you got a really dynamic scheme and you've got some great players, and I hate to see them not cash in on this window. I think a Kirk Cousins could help them. They got cap space issues, part of that. 
you know, 23 mil on the books with Tua. Like, I don't know. Like, we were going through it earlier. Where would you trade Tua to give him another opportunity somewhere? Maybe somebody else wants another look. I, I'm not being – I don't know how long that list is. And so, like, I don't think you get necessarily cap relief there. There are some guys you can cut there. I'm not going to name any names, but there are guys you can cut there. Um, it's just not something I like to do is play, like, Monopoly money with people who might actually get cut. Not this early in the uh, in the offseason. Um, so Cowboys are interesting. Dolphins are interesting. Dolphins are kind of my dark horsey team. I also think, like, look at everything the Dolphins have been able to accomplish, and they don't move the pocket. They aren't capable of moving the pocket, not traditionally. Kirk Cousins, that old plaid-wearing motherfucker can run sideways with the best of them. He really can. And... Um, and I, I think, again, going back to my point about Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, and these are different guys, but, like, let's say some teams that came up short with a veteran quarterback and didn't get the ultimate prize. I'm sure there's some teams somewhere down the line that was like, hey, we're satisfied with the run we got out of this guy because it's an improvement just by having an adult in the room. And I don't mean, that, you know, I'm not calling previous quarterbacks in any of these locations, you know, children or anything what i am saying is that kirk cousins is a respected veteran in this league and he's played at a high level he's played in the playoffs he's won a playoff game not an easy thing to do and that leads me to my next point josh allen okay <sighs> listen man uh i'm tiptoeing around how i want to frame this because i don't want anybody to think i'm talking out of school about a teammate who I've actually already talked to about this, but bottom line is like, I'm not being fake. Cause the first thing I did when I walked in the hotel last night, I love Ryan Clark. I think he's a great guy and I think he's really good at his job. And he's the reason I have a job at inside the NFL. And he's a lot of fucking fun to work with. But I think part of being like, if me and Ryan are going to work together for a long time, which I hope we do. Cause we talk all the time. Like we're going to work together for a long time. You got to be cool enough with your buddies to be like, yo, I did not get what you said. <laughs> you know, like, I, I just didn't agree with what he said about Josh Allen. I like, um, and somebody out there saying, surprise, surprise, you know, like, well, I, I, I don't know what, I don't know what that would mean, but I just didn't agree. When I walked in and ran into RC at the, at the soda machine basically last night, uh, in Philly, I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, what are you doing? And like, I'm checking in. I'm like I'm giving him the hold on one sec because he's about to go back to the elevator. I don't want to go into production meeting tomorrow. I just think it's more, it's better just to be like, hey, are we going to argue tomorrow about Josh Allen? You know, like, or where, where are we at on this thing? So I'm walking to the elevator. I'm bugging Rye. I'm like, hey, I'm like that Josh Allen thing, huh? I was like, just what's the take? Cause that's what I'm, that like anyone, who has kind of that to say about a quarterback after, cause I'm not going to put any words in Ryan's mouth. You can go look at it. Um, but I know what he did say was I acknowledge Josh is great. I'm paraphrasing here. I think he's awesome. There's very few people that can do the things he does with the football in his hand. To me, that's just where the conversation should end. I know Ryan kind of went on a bit of a deal about Josh and Dan Orlovsky, who's his boy, and they've worked together a long time. So him and Dan are tight. And Dan's like, 
Dan's incredulous because Dan's like number one Josh Allen fanboy. And I don't agree with people that I've seen on TV that are like, I'd take Tom or I'd take Josh Allen over Patrick Mahomes. I, who said that today? It was Sean O'Hara or something. And that's where I think we're getting into a thing where we're like married to a take, right? And I think what's interesting about Josh is, and other quarterbacks in general, we're all married to our takes. Okay, so I you know, like if if you have a visceral reaction to Josh Allen, maybe at some point you didn't think he would make it. You know, I have a visceral reaction sometimes to a Tua game. To be honest, in this business, it's not vindictive. It's not personal. It's just because you can't stand hearing people say these things for so long, and you got to just sit there and and be like, "Yeah, you're right." And fuck, I got to bite my tongue. I'm a hater. I'm this. I'm that. And in this scenario, doing what we do, sometimes the hardest thing can be feeling like you're right. It's actually harder to feel like you're right sometimes in silence. <laughs> and I think for Ryan, most people are consuming that rant and saying, he doesn't like Josh Allen. He doesn't think he's a good player. I didn't take that away because I actually listened as if it was a transcript. I like listened. And then when we talked in the hallway, like immediately I knew kind of what he was he was trying to say and I think Ryan is one of those guys that that was tired of hearing about Josh being elevated to Patrick's level this tired of hearing about Josh being talked about as an all-time great and I don't think that's a straw man I do think there are people making those statements I also happen to believe that if Josh Allen finishes his career the way I think he'll finish his career he could be talked about as one of the all-time greats I think he's that good um, and I think Ryan thinks he's, he's that good too, but I think what Ryan wants to see is improve it. And that's where that reaction I think came from without speaking for him, but it was a really interesting thing where, and it lets you into like being in the media. Sometimes I said to Ryan, go, I feel like I'm watching the take and I feel like you're, you're yelling at somebody offset and it's not Josh. It's whoever had a take about Josh, right? And I also think there's something really fair about this because he brought up Lamar. I don't think it's right the way people have analyzed Lamar since he got in the league. I've made no secret about that. I know Ravens fans think for some reason I hate you or something. Even though I couldn't be any more complimentary about your quarterback or your team, you probably have the best roster in the league and you've got the MVP at quarterback. Okay, It's fucking awesome to watch Roquan play. It's awesome to watch Harbaugh coach. There's nothing about your team I don't like. If I had to think about something about your team I don't like, it's the fucking castle print on the side of your the, the, the stands. Like, that's it. Like, I don't really like the Maryland logo, so I'm not a big fan of, like, a, a crest for a logo and that sort of shit. But I got no problem with the Ravens. Purple pants, black top, not crazy about that combination. I got nothing against the Ravens. I think Lamar Jackson's fucking sensational. I've been defending Lamar Jackson for the better part of five years or however long he's been in the league. Reed, we've been doing this podcast for the, from the start. I don't think I've ever turned on that guy. Because to me, the question is, can your quarterback get you in the fucking bowl? Can your quarterback win you a bowl? Okay? And with Lamar Jackson, the, the answer is yes. Whether he wins that game Sunday or not. And the answer has been yes as bad as he's played at times in the playoffs, because I know what's in there. 
And I know it was, I know what's in there before Greg Roman leaves the building, right? And you know, you know what the upside is of bringing somebody else in because you know nuance and you know context matters for quarterbacks. And you also know that like sometimes guys, it takes a while to win that big one. And I got to be honest, Lamar hasn't won that big playoff game yet. Josh hasn't won that big playoff game yet. And, and Ryan brought up Lamar. And the reason I'm bringing up Lamar is this, because Ryan brought him up. I think that a lot of people, like myself, thought that Lamar's treatment by the media at large and by a lot of fans was unfair in the wake of a lot of these losses and after a lot of these years. And I think Josh is looked at as a guy who skates, right? Even though there's a lot of fucking people that hate Josh Allen too. And that's the way most of this thing goes. None of it's a straw, man. You can find a, an example to whatever you're trying to push back against, if that makes sense. You know, if I'm, if I'm a Josh Allen stan, I could find a bunch of Josh Allen doubters. I could find a bunch of negativity about Josh. If I'm a Lamar fan, I could do the same for him. But doing that to Josh Allen, and I'm not saying that's what Ryan's doing, but anybody who wants to shit on Josh Allen as a reaction to Lamar's poor treatment or somebody else's poor treatment, you're just doing the same thing. And so like, it doesn't justify it. It wouldn't justify it on, on Monday to me to get up and make it about anything other than if Lamar loses that game, what are we doing this off season to take the next step and build around that quarterback and run it back? Because football isn't a thing where you design things on your team, you design your roster, you design your schemes and you say, it's going gonna, it's gonna to prove out the way it's supposed to prove. It, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. There are teams that should win the Super Bowl that lose the Super Bowl. There are quarterbacks that were good enough to win a game that lose games. There are quarterbacks that play great who lose playoff games. There are quarterbacks like Brock Purdy who play like dog shit for 48 minutes and then make three to four throws and win playoff games. Okay? So QB wins in the stat to me. You know, I think context matters. It's the ultimate team sport, and there's only a couple guys who we judge differently than everybody else. And guess what? I include Josh in that category. So when the season ends for Josh that way, here's how I look at it. Can you win a Super Bowl because of this guy? If the answer is yes, it's like a questionnaire at the doctor's, then scroll the fuck down. Scroll down to free agency. Well, the, the second question would be, did this guy fuck the playoff game up? Is he the reason you lost? Did he do things that would, would, would give you a chance to win? How many other quarterbacks are picking up 27 first downs on that defense this year? I'll tell you the answer. It's just one. How many quarterbacks are running for that, for that many yards? Again, maybe the other guy's coming up this week. But you're talking about two, two of a kind. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. And I just don't think looking at Lamar's failures and the, the absolute bullshit that he – he got a lot of bullshit, but his treatment doesn't justify looking at Josh Allen after a game like that. And I'm not saying that's what Ryan's doing. You know, the reason I'm naming Ryan is so you don't think this is a sneak diss or a, a subliminal. That's my buddy. We talked about it last night as friends would, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I just disagree. What's the take? And I still think anybody with the take that there's anything that the Bills should do differently at quarterback 
um, and that's your takeaway from that game, I think I don't think you're watching the game. You know, are there things he could have done better? Sure, there's a couple things. He missed a he missed an opportunity. People bring up the Shakir throw that he missed. Chris Jones is on his foot. Okay, at first I'm thinking, hey, find a way. I think you got the exact look he wanted. There's people who say, why, why not dump it down? Why not go underneath? The same people are complaining about his average depth of target through the whole game. Then he drops three bombs. By the way, one of the bombs to Sherfield is drifting right. So Tyler Bass is fucking exonerated here in my book. 65-yard piss missile that Josh Allen throws with his arm. And the ball's moving two to three yards. But Sherfield's got to track that and catch it. Diggs has got to catch that ball. And, you know, when Chris Jones is out on the edge and he get you know, Dawkins gets pulled back into you, I can't really hold that throw against him. And I can't hold making it against him because you know who he's playing? Patrick Mahomes, who we really, it, that's who we should be talking about. That's, that's how I want to do my job. I want to talk about Patrick Mahomes and why he won the game, you know, because all this other stuff, how many times would Josh Allen be in the Super Bowl if he played in the NFC? I don't think the number zero. Um, so, I mean, like, it, it's not a perfect metric. Appearances in the Super Bowl, you know, they're, they're not all the same. Otherwise, we'd be saying, eh, Jimmy G is just a better quarterback than Josh Allen. You know, and you find me somebody who thinks that, and I'll find you somebody who got into my stash, okay? Um so that, that's the point is like this stuff all happens in context. Uh, we should be talking about Patrick Mahomes. The way I look at it is this, okay? Wild animals, bear with me, as Dan Campbell would say, bear with me as it pertains to the ocean. Bear with me as it pertains to the animal kingdom, okay? There are apex predators in the animal kingdom. You know who they are? They're the biggest fish. You see the chart of a bunch of fish. One fish is eating the other fish. For every fucking great white shark, there's an orca. But there's only one orca. Okay, there's a, there's a group of apex predators in different regions of the NFL. You know, you, apex predator in Africa is a lion. Apex predator in the North Pole is a fucking... There's more than one on the planet. It's a fucking polar bear. The point I'm making, and bear with me as it pertains to the animal kingdom here, fellas, is that if I watch a fucking Cape Buffalo... And a lion fight to the death. And the lion wins. I'm not walking away and being like, fucking Cape Buffalo's soft. And the Cape Buffalo's not even an apex predator. I think Josh Allen's an apex predator. I think he's that good. But the difference between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen's an apex predator. Patrick Mahomes is a keystone species and an apex predator. You know, you know what that means? The, the, the keystone species is a species that changes the game for the whole ecosystem. That's what Patrick Mahomes is. He has defined the era. He has changed the game for everybody else trying to do whatever it is they're trying to do out in this, in this NFL ecosystem. I know some people are like, this is some time as a flat circle shit. But you get what I'm saying. Patrick Mahomes is different. I'm not going to look down on other apex predators. Okay, the, a polar bear is none to scoff at. A Cape buffalo, although not an apex predator, to make the point I'm making earlier, you watch a lion and a buffalo fight to the death. Nobody's walking away and be like, a buffalo is a punk. 
that's not that's not my takeaway. My takeaway is holy shit. Did you see that lion and that Cape Buffalo? That buffalo was goring the lion and the lion still found a way to kill that 700 pound fucking thing. That's responsible for as many deaths as the uh the African lion on the continent. If you didn't know that. So that's the point. Josh Allen's the Cape Buffalo in this scenario. I'm not going to walk away and make the lead that the Cape Buffalo wasn't strong enough. Holy shit, I just watched Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Could the, could the Cape Buffalo kill the Lion? Any day. Any day. They just met three times in the postseason, and it hasn't happened yet. And in both of the last two times, Patrick Mahomes got the ball last, and it had nothing to do with Josh Allen. Okay, so if you want to nitpick about Josh Allen and all that stuff, I'm totally there for it. But don't do it because other people got unfair treatment. That's that. It's just not how I want to do it, you know. And and so it's easy to say, hey, Chris. Well, you know, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to somebody else. But why are you even talking to those people? You know, I'm just looking at two great quarterbacks. Holy shit, dude! One of them is the keystone species. That's the difference. Changes the the environment for every quarterback living, every quarterback born from 1995 to 2010, their life's going to be affected by Patrick Mahomes. Some kids born in 1995 has no idea who Patrick Mahomes is, has big dreams of being the best quarterback of all time, does everything they possibly can to be that quarterback. Every camp, they knock it out of the park, and then Patrick Mahomes gets traded up for, and he might be the best to ever do it. And you're like, well, fuck. I guess I can't be very good because I can't beat this guy every time. It's going to take a few tries. Could have happened the other night. Josh Allen played really well. Patrick Mahomes is just that fucking good, and the Chiefs are just that good. And I also think when you talk about context, we don't talk about this enough. It's almost like playing in two different conferences, okay? When you think about it, when you try to control for the performance of two quarterbacks in one game who are playing completely two two totally different defenses. The Chiefs are a top three defense, and they had damn near everybody healthy. Willie Gay left the game. Edwards left the game. But that defense is in like, they're in fighting shape. And the Bills defense is decimated. So I'm not making excuses for Josh Allen, but what I am saying is, I don't walk out of that game and think change, don't change a fucking thing. Just reload if you can. Now the cap situation is all messed up and this is what happens. Windows close on teams, but for quarterbacks like Josh Allen, they do not close. Okay. So this iteration of the bills might change because of the cap situation, but anybody looking at that scenario and being like, yeah, you know what? Maybe we should do something else. Like you're in, you're, you got into my stash. And that ain't what somebody like Ryan Clark's saying. What Ryan Clark's saying is just don't talk about him like Mahomes. And I agree, but I, I don't think anybody in their right mind's really talking about anybody in the NFL like Mahomes. Last time we did that, we did it with Joe Burrow. Mahomes went out and won a fucking Super Bowl like two months later. Is it over for, for Patrick Mahomes? Are the Bengals the new Chiefs? Winning one, being in one, doesn't make you the new Chiefs. Beating Patrick Mahomes once doesn't even make you the new Patrick Mahomes. You got to do it for a long time. So I'm not going to scoff at any apex predators. 
Whatever you're looking forward to this football season, there's one thing that pairs well with every great moment, and that is an ice-cold Miller Lite. Whether you're at the stadium, playing fantasy football, or watching the game at home, or at the bar, Miller Lite is here to make your football season taste like Miller time. From kickoff to the clock runs out, you can't go wrong with a Miller Lite in your hand. It's the only light beer with a taste worthy of our national obsession. Because what's the point of having beer if it doesn't taste like beer? I go to Dirty Nelly's every weekend. Sometimes I'm prepping for the show at the bar on Saturday night, watching a little college football, getting ready to lay out our Miller Lite moments. Uh, I like to have a nice cold Miller Lite right next to me. And the folks at Dirty Nelly's, they know when I get there to have my ice cold Miller Lite. It's got only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs for 12 ounce serving with a smooth taste and a crisp, clean finish. You get the taste you crave without the calories. So this season, crack open a light beer that hits your taste buds so hard you feel it in your heart. Make it Miller time all season long. Get Miller Lite delivered right to your door. Visit MillerLite.com Greenlight. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs for 12 ounces. Make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL part of your game day. Order online during the Pizza Pizza pregame all day on NFL game days and Pro Bowl Sunday and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Put some in the fridge. I like cold pizza. All right. The first mailbag question was, who are these actors as NFL players? This is uh, from Josh Kutchner. Kutch dog. That's a great question. And I encourage you all to ask this question again with different actors. I would love to do this again. This is a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, the, the actors. So, Matt, you have a second to think about it. Jack Nicholson, Bruce Willis. Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell. Who do you think I had the hardest time casting? No, that was easy. I'll start there. Okay, by the way, I know what you're thinking. Sixth Sense, uh, you know, I just wanted to throw this out there. Sam Darnold's actually Haley Joel Osment because he sees <laughs> dead people. It's the ghost thing, right? So just as a sidebar, I think Sam Darnold is Haley Joel Osment. Um but then Haley Joel Osment grows up and plays some great roles that I'm not, they're not coming to mind right now, but I'm, that'll be San Francisco in a year. Um, okay. So Bruce Willis is the actor in question. Um, universally loved, right? Stop me when you disagree, but universally loved, universally respected, even more so after his career, right? Um, He's funny. He's got warmth and humor. That's why they gave him the John McClane role, because he actually was like a little bit funny and could kind of keep things light. They wanted a meathead, but one that could like kind of bring the temperature down the room. And I think that's what makes him great. This guy had a great run, late 80s into the 90s. Never won an Oscar. And that's why I don't watch the Oscars, because people like Bruce Willis don't win Oscars. Okay. Um, 
But I do watch the AFC playoffs and I do watch Super Bowls. And I do watch Die Hard. I watched all five of them. Uh, there was a guy in the late 80s, 1988, Die Hard comes out, starts a great run for Bruce Willis. 1988, there was a certain team in the NFL that won six divisional championships in a row. And that team is the Buffalo Bills. Now, there were five installments of Die Hard. There were four installments of the Super Bowl for Buffalo. Four falls, right? And obviously, Die Hard is a much more enjoyable experience. Well, I don't know that a fucking, for John McClane, Die Hard's very fun at all. You're either getting the shit kicked out of you by a bunch of Japanese businessmen. Isn't that what happens in, in one of them? And then, and then it's the Germans. Another one is like just a bunch of people from different continents want to fuck you up. And then your only friend's a guy who thinks you're a racist the first time you meet. And that's Samuel L. Jackson, isn't it? In Die Hard with, with a Vengeance. He thought, he thought that, uh, he thought that, uh, Bruce Willis was like some flaming racist when he first met him. Okay. But here's where it gets weird. Here's where it gets really weird. You ready for this? People don't give Jim Kelly enough uh, credit for his run in the USFL. It's like not enough people saw it, not enough people talk about it. Not enough people talk about Bruce Willis's performance in Unbreakable. Great film. I think Bruce Willis is Jim Kelly. Yes. I think Bruce Willis is Jim Kelly. I think Bruce Willis is Jim Kelly, one of the most revered, respected quarterbacks of all time. Maybe not talked about as one of the greatest, but action-packed. The offense was called K-Gun. Bruce Willis definitely had some guns in his movies. And I just want to throw this out there while we're doing quarterbacks. Nobody asked, but I think, I think Philip Rivers is Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood has eight kids. <laughs> also, he's a gunslinger. That's literally what Philip Rivers is. <laughs> I also think about a lot of Clint Eastwood's movies as being, and I know, don't get mad at me, older guy. But I think a lot of them are the same movie. Okay? You've seen one of them cowboy movies. You've seen them all. Okay? If you've seen Philip Rivers in a 4 p.m. spot, losing tragically in the fourth quarter, you've seen them all. Both gunslingers both have a lot of kids. He's got to become a coach now because like Clint was an actor and then became a director. And you know what? He's probably already fucking coaching. So he's got a lot anyway, of kids to coach. coaching his kid. Yeah, he's coaching his family. All right. I was going to say Rich Gannon for Bruce Willis, like the bald version of Rich Gannon. More just kind of looks like him. Talented, talented guy. But you're just casting guys. I like <laughs> a little that. bit. Okay, if Bruce Willis had to play a quarterback, I like, I like Bruce Willis as Jeff Garcia. I like Bruce Willis. As Josh Dobbs. <laughs> I like Bruce Willis as, <laughs> as Brian Hoyer later in his career. How many bald quarterbacks can you name? I like Bruce Willis as either, either of the Hasselback brothers. Okay? All right. Let's talk about Jack Nicholson because this is an easy one too for me. It wasn't clear in the beginning, but once I wrote it out, Okay, the guy smoked 155 joints on the set of Easy Rider. You know, he was like kind of a method actor, like for real. He was so crazy, he'd get his brain to like neutral is the way he described it. 
you know, it's something I can't even comprehend doing this. Like he was on the set of the shining, scaring the shit out of people between takes, like whipping an ax around saying ax murderer and shit like that. Like there's people like getting cups of coffee and this guy's like off the deep end. Speaking of my favorite Jack movie, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, which I just watched in the last couple years. But this guy was, um, he was literally living in a mental institution at that time for, for, you know, method acting purposes. He's crazy. He likes to be crazy. He also is known for dark theme portrayals of neurotic characters. This is Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> is he not Lawrence Taylor? I mean, nobody gets into the character of being an NFL player like Lawrence Taylor, and it's it's method acting. One of the best ever. Jack, one of the best ever. Stupid, talented, stupid, great, stupid, accomplished. Same thing with Lawrence Taylor. Just gold standard. So I like Lawrence Taylor. And the great actor himself. Any given Sunday. He was method acting. <laughs> yeah, right. I was thinking Joe Namath for Jack Nicholson. Like just kind of like oozing cool. I'm casting him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he this could totally play Joe Namath, like a younger version of Jack, like Easy Rider Jack. I'm trying to think of Easy Rider Jack. Who he might. I kind of like him playing Browning from the Bengals. You know, <laughs> uh, my sweet now, Joe. All right. Uh, what's Browning's first name? Jake. Here's Jake. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Paul Rudd. Ready for this? This is a tough one because I'm not going to compare him to a quarterback. That was getting boring. And I don't, I'm not saying that this player is, they're the same. What I'm saying is they remind me of each other. Okay. So Paul Rudd, and I'm not diminishing his work. I think he's one of the best comedy movie dudes of our generation period but he did he did play most of his key roles during one of the greatest runs ever with judd apatow and you know he's been in some other movies and held his own he's been a good player in some other movies but the best run was with was with judd like those two it was great also short hot guy Danny Amendola. You know, I'm sure Judd would be, or, you know, Paul would be like, well, you know, I'm one of like the five best, you know, funny guys of our generation. And Danny's not one of the five best receivers of our generation. But I just, it's a short hot guy thing. You know, which is, a, it's a great thing to have, to have short hot guys for friends because, like you're not threatened by them. Like I know my wife probably thinks Danny Amendola's hot. Like I know my wife probably thinks Paul Rudd's hot, but I'm not worried about it. I'm six foot three, you know. If she leaves me for for um, Liam Neeson, we got a problem. I will find him. You know what I mean? <laughs> but the short guys. I'm not saying this pejoratively. It's just it doesn't. It's not as threatening. I guess that's the lead here is that he's short and hot like Danny Amendola. 
and did his best work with Judd Apatow, who's like Tom Brady in the, in the analogy. There's this thing on the internet about Paul Rudd never aging, kind of like Tom Brady never aging. Or like Howie Long. Yeah. There you, oh, Howie Long. There you go. Yeah. I, I Listen, I think Howie Long, I put Howie Long's genetics up against Tom. Or, and I'm not talking about football genetics, but what I am talking about is just the glow that that cat has. He's 62, 63 years old. Never done anything to his face. Could kick Liam Neeson's ass. And could kick Liam Neeson's ass. That's when you start getting in trouble. The hot, tall guys that can kick your ass, you don't want those guys around. You don't. You, you really don't. Good thing Kyle's ugly. He's not ugly. He's hot as shit, isn't he, Matt? Oh, that's good. I, 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 I real mad at well, one of the mailbag questions was ask Kyle if he knows that Matt's in love with him. <laughs> All right, so he looks like Alan, Alan Richardson. Look at the guy from Jack Reacher, he Kyle. Could, he could hey. play Reacher. Like, it wouldn't be crazy. No, it, it wouldn't be. But we were going so look-alike, and then you just <laughs> went, you went Kyle Long, Alan Richson. If you want to cast Kyle, I always say this, he'd be perfectly cast in the Indiana Jones uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. No, yeah. it's the Nazi one. Ra yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Where he backs that Nazi into that propeller. That'd be Kyle. That'd be the perfect <laughs> role. All right. All right, and then Will Ferrell's the last one. Owned the 2000s, okay? And after a breakup, it just hasn't been the same. He's still that dude, but there was a bad breakup. And maybe I'm misremembering this, but the Randy Moss breakup in Minnesota wasn't great, was it? Yeah. So I kind of feel like it's Randy Moss. Because when you're around Will Ferrell, not that I've been around Will Ferrell, but you're like, holy shit, that is the one of the funniest people in history. Like, you know it. But Randy Moss, you know, like, he moved on to New England. He was just as funny, just as fucking awesome, cartoonish on the football field, but they didn't win the whole thing. And it's not his fault. If Will Ferrell was still on SNL, imagine this weekend, he would be doing Jason Kelsey in the box. It'd be incredible. But the point is, like, things just change. And, like, I thought, like, what might have been if if Adam McKay and Will Ferrell never gotten a big thing? What might have been if the Vikings never broke up? I don't know. Somebody who knows the situation better than me is going to explain perfectly why this is a stupid point. But it's it's an exercise that's not real. Okay, I was, I was thinking. Actors to football players. I was thinking it could be Matt Ryan for Will Ferrell. Like for the same reasons you listed, two thousands, uh, really best seasons with a uh, you know a partner, and then split and didn't have his best work after the I, fact. I'm just gonna be, I'm gonna be real. Very few quarterbacks have had a run like old school, step brothers, Elf, you know, wedding crashers, whatever else he was in. He was in like for five years there. It was like he owned everything every you one touched. liner. Yeah. I thought about Peyton Manning, but Peyton Manning didn't have a breakup. He right. he might be closer to a Peyton Manning if I'm being like, if you take the breakup thing out of it, like because you got a Peyton Manning and Brady for that matter. I also think Peyton Manning is comparable because Peyton Manning is really fucking funny. Yeah, so I throw him I throw him in the hat there. Okay, that was a good question. It's a good question, Josh. It's a good question, Josh. Okay. Now for the uh, the final question. It's going to take about 15, 20 minutes, guys. Buckle up. 
The question was, when I was a player, um, and now really more than anything, like what are the teams I wish I played for, the fan bases I wish I played in front of, and what do I think about fans in general? Like, you know, like just talk about what I think about fan bases. And I think that's a brilliant exercise because I feel like I got to check in with some of y'all. And I also think you never hear like, we don't really understand fan bases. My, my, my understanding of a fan base was how tough was it to play at a stadium on a given day when I was a player. And now it's when you put out a YouTube video, how fucking annoying are these fans? Like, is, is there a personality that a fan base has And some fan bases? I have given personalities on faulty data, dude. Like, you know, like a team's, a fan base's YouTube presence isn't an exact science, dude. You got to, to understand a fan base, you got to like, you got to be in the shit with that fan base for a while. Nevertheless, I'm going to give you acknowledging everything I just said and acknowledging that like, what do I know? Like, I'm going to tell you if it interests you, what I think about you. And, you know, I'm going to address each fan base. And I'm going to answer this question about which team would I, would I have wanted to play for? I'll be quick on some teams. I'm going to be, I, I wrote lists of like pros and cons. Okay. And I'll tell you if it's one of the teams that I'd actually, that I actually ever had a thought about playing for. So the new Orleans saints got to be honest. I really like saints fans. I just want to say that to you guys right here, right now. Maybe it's because I love Steve, Steve Gleason. Shout out to Steve Gleason and TCAP. Maybe it's because I've been to tailgates at LSU and honestly, like Louisiana people, they kind of adopt you. Like, I think they adopted Ryan Rosillo. Like, like the LSU fan base adopted Ryan Rosillo. And so just by association, every time I'm with him and he'll love hearing this, I feel like I get treated like a king down on the bayou uh, or at or in T-Town when we went to a, the greatest tailgate I've ever been to. These people do not fuck around. This is when I think about Saints fans, I think about how big they do it. My son is five years old. His name's Luke. And one thing he got from me, not his looks, he got those from his mom. He looks just like his mom. Uh, but one thing he does just like me is ever since I was a little kid, my mom always says that I used to like, she'd be like, go put an outfit on. And I go put on like the loudest outfit that had all the different expressive Thing. I was basically playing fucking dress up, you know, like I want tie dye, I want stripes on the bottom. I want unique shoes and the whole thing. Saints fans and LSU fans are kind of like my five-year-old in that way. And I mean, in a really good way is like when they dress up to go out to a football game, it's like the craziest shit goes. And I love that. Everything's tiger print. Everything's shiny. If you're at a Saints game, it's like, man, this is like a circus. And although the Superdome does not meet code, and that's probably why I wouldn't want to play in New Orleans, would be like I'm worried about that thing falling down at some point, although it survived a hurricane for sure. Just like the fans, which is why I love the fans. The fans have been through a hurricane. They've had brown bags on their fucking heads. They keep things in perspective. You know what else I love about them? In the same breath, they're so worked up about a call. They've survived a hurricane. But they're on the Senate floor with a picture of of uh, Roby Coleman with his hand around somebody's neck in the NFC Championship. The duality of man, the duality of Saints fans. That's what I love about you guys. You guys have been through shit. You have perspective, but you're also still nuts about football. Um, 
that stadium would not pass code. I do not rank it highly in my stadium rankings, but I will say this. Uh, if it were a bar, it would be a bar with a sticky floor. And we know that's the best kind of bar. So when you get a chance to go to New Orleans and play the Saints, uh, it's a great experience. And we always got oysters after the game, which is awesome. Fried oysters. I feel like I have written down here oysters and escorts. Now, what I mean by escorts is pregame escorts from the police. The police in, in Louisiana, they just look like people are going to get out of the way on the highway. You know, like they just have that, you know, you go down to some of these states where they got bucket hats on and shit. Like if I was an SEC coach, I need a cop with a bucket hat. I don't know. I don't care if I get to be a Virginia head coach one day. Find me a hat with a, a cop with a bucket hat. If they don't wear them in this state, make them. I need a fucking hat this tall on the cop escorting me to half court or midfield to shake Dabo's hand after I kick his ass in 2036. Okay. We'll see who's got the bigger cop, the bigger hat. You know, it's like, it's honestly like Game of Thrones where. The, in the SEC, the woman, you know, what's her name? The 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 the, the head honcho lady. The she was fucking her brother, but still hot. Cersei, incredible. You like Cersei? Go back and watch the insufferable movie that is uh, Three Hundred. Okay, she was <laughs> she was in her prime. Okay, incredible movie in that respect, but in the other ways, not so incredible. Okay. In the SEC, it reminds me of Game of Thrones where it's like, well, I got the fucking mountain. You know, like you get this little ass lady and she's got the biggest guy in the kingdom. That's what the SEC is all about. It's about having the biggest cops with the tallest hats. And it's like, let the best coach win. I got all the recruits and look at this fucking six foot eight guy. He looks like the fucking guy that fought Kimbo Slice in Boston. That's the kind of cop. <laughs> You know, you need, if you're in the SEC, those are the kind of cops that are now there in Louisiana. And when you get those police escorts of the game, they mean business. Okay. Uh, also, I figure if I play for the Saints, I have written down Harry Connick Jr. house. I think I would go to Harry Connick Jr.'s house. You know? Sounds fucking cool. I don't know anything about the guy. Like, literally, don't know a thing about Harry Connick Jr. other than who he is and the fact that people love him. Is he a singer? He's a singer, right? Singer and an actor. An actor. Okay, I knew that. But probably got a cool house in New Orleans. I feel like I'd be hanging out with Harry Connick Jr. and I'd be like, oh, this is fucking cool. Instead, when I was in St. Louis, you know what I got to do? Get drunk with Alto Reed till 3 in the morning after a Bob Seger concert. Hell yeah. Okay, that was kind of cool in its own right. But then Alto leaves the next day. We just didn't have celebrities like that. The celebrities come and go. I couldn't make friends with a Harry Connick Jr., Bob Seger was on the sideline for that Detroit game. Bob Seger, yep, was on the. I, I read. I read there were a bunch of guys. Dude, Jeff Daniels, big Lions fan. They got some cool fans. Um, yeah, you know, like you're not going to be a douchebag if you're a Lions fan after all this. Like it's kind of self-selective here. Uh, Atlanta, I like you guys. You guys are realistic. I don't think I ever would have thought about playing for you guys. In fact, I did. I went down there and visited. Uh, not that you care. Um, you know, you guys are like the short sell guys in the stock market. You know what's going to happen before it happens. You know it's bad. And you know what you, you guys like already know your team is going to fuck it up. 
even though somehow I don't know if you knew the 28 to 3 thing was going to happen. How do we get here? I just, I have this thing about 28 to 3, and I feel like if it makes you feel any better, I just wanted to tell you guys, I think that thing's blown out of proportion. I don't think it's that big a deal. It's three scores. It's the modern NFL now. Okay, it's four three scores. scores. It's 28 3, 25 points. Yeah, it is four scores. <laughs> Never mind. It's a big deal. What you guys did was really bad. Okay, so four scores. Think about it like this. Let's say, let's say it's 42 17. Doesn't sound as bad, does it? Man, that team was down 42 17, but they found a way to come back. That just doesn't sound as bad. 28 to 3 just sounds really bad, you know? So whether it's three scores, four scores, I never added it up. I just put my head down and was like, hopefully Tom Brady takes care of business. Um, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. 28 to 3, it just sounds bad because you had three. You know, if it were 56 to 31, it's like, who cares? Dude, that happens all the time in the Big 12. This is that I don't think it's that big of a deal. I just wanted to tell you guys that. I don't know if that makes you guys feel any better. I also want to say this. The overtime rule. Everybody talks about Josh Allen got jobbed by the overtime rule. And he did. But you know who else got fucked? Matt Ryan. You guys haven't led with that one, have you? I just, hey, you're welcome. I got no problems with you, Atlanta fans. I like you guys a lot. You guys seem like you know when bad shit's going to happen. I think that's valuable. It'd be good to have you around. I think Atlanta Falcons fans got to become like seismologists or do tsunami warnings or fucking, you know, like um, tell you what your risk factors are for like all types of cancers. Like you guys know when shit's going to go wrong. I think you guys have an innate ability by watching the Falcons for a long time. And I think that's a really good quality to have. So kudos to you guys. Tampa Bay, I don't know who you, you guys are. And I don't mean that negatively. I got to tell you, I crossed you off the list because of the shot clock numericals. I would not have played for, for Tampa legitimately because of the shot clock numericals. There was a time when I was a free agent once or twice, had a couple teams I could go play for. Not saying Tampa called. I'm sure you guys are like, I wouldn't have wanted you anyways. But you couldn't catch me dead in those uniforms. Now, the uniforms have changed since. You guys look pretty good. Listen, you guys dress like pirates. That's like one of the whitest activities you could possibly do. Totally relatable. I love it. Uh, I like the pirate ship. It's incredible. Although in Jacksonville, they have a pool. You can't swim in the pirate ship. Um, I bet the, the dogs in the area don't love the pirate ship, though. You know, you think about those loud noises and stuff like that. You guys ever think about that? I do love when you watch all 22 of y'all's stadium. It's you guys still park in the grass. Like it's like a. Uh, you know, like a, like it's 1997. I love that. Like there's not a proper parking lot. I can see it through the stadium. People are still parking in the grass. I love it. But the biggest impediment for me when it comes to Tampa fans, and I love to get to know you guys and gals, I don't know who you are. I'm not saying they don't exist. That stadium was rocking, dude, when you kicked the Eagles' asses. Congratulations. That was a thorough ass kicking. I think some Philly fans are appreciative you ended it so fast. But I just don't, I've never met too many Bucks fans, you know? All right, Carolina, this is one that got away from me. I grew up a Panthers fan, 1995, 96, whenever they came on the scene. You know, the colors, the whole thing, Kevin Green, 
Dan Morgan, who's now a GM yeah. for the Panthers. Incredible, dude. Dan Morgan. Yeah. One of the scariest people I've ever seen. I remember going to a, a banquet with my dad when he was at UM. He was getting some award. I guess my dad was giving an award out. I just remember thinking, like, this guy is, like, he's a badass. He had that, like, slick, black, slick back black hair and shit, you know? He kind of was, like, no country for old men without the, you know, like, with a little less creepy. <laughs> but he had that thing, dude, and he was, like, quiet and shit. And he was, you know, the Panthers were hard not to, to root for, man. They were awesome. Um, in fact, one year... I can't remember what year it was, but I was trying to go to Carolina and uh, that would have been, I think it was the the New England year. I really wanted to go to Carolina in free agency um, because I grew up a Panthers fan and uh, I love Charles Johnson, one of my favorite players from my era. And we were boys and, you know, close enough to where I kind of knew what he was doing. If he wasn't going to sign back, I wanted to do it. And he signed back and the rest is history. So, Probably better I didn't sign with Carolina. I never flipped you guys off. I got ejected back in the day. You guys all know the story, but there was a picture that Will Brinson posted online that looked like I was flicking him off. I was just IDing the guy who threw a beer bottle at me. Uh, I had the Panthers cheerleaders calendar when I was a teenager, and that was a really formative age. I'll just put it that way. And I wonder what those gals are doing today. You know what I mean? Can you look something up while I get into the next team? What year did MySpace start, Reed? As to not incriminate myself. Yeah, that makes sense because I was I was creeping on Panthers cheerleaders on MySpace in 2003. When it first came out, the first thing I did was like, let's see if any of these gals from the calendar from a few years back are on MySpace. And they were. Didn't really do anything with that, but, you know, I definitely knew they had MySpace. Uh, <laughs> is that is that bad? No, that's normal it's, behavior. It's normal. Kids these days, they got Instagram. It's easy. They're just looking up on Instagram. You know, at least I'm learning about the gal. Kids these days, they're just, they're, what's the word? They're fucking objectifying these ladies on uh, Instagram. MySpace was a fact-finding expedition, all right? NFC East. Dallas. Why did I become a Panthers fan in 1995? I'm going to be honest. I've shared this on this show before. Nolan didn't know it. I was once a Cowboys fan. And do you know why I became a Panthers fan? She's a little too much cocaine for me uh, at 10 years old, 11 years old. Like, you know, which is a little bit curious because I did like Aerosmith. Unbeknownst to me, Steven Tyler spent millions of dollars on cocaine, he said. Uh, and he said he snorted like half of Peru. So he's rubbing it in our faces, doing cocaine, drugs through his nose, right? And I'm disowning my favorite football team that all they do is win championships. And I'm doing it. And I still went to an Aerosmith concert like the next summer. I just had no idea. Steven Tyler was on so much blow. I didn't know. The only thing I knew about cocaine was that the Cowboys were doing it. That was like my frame of reference. So I gave up on the Cowboys. I'm sorry, guys. And I just, I, I want to say this. There's no olive branch situation because I don't think I've ever once said I hate the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are necessary. I think the Cowboys are a necessary heel. And I think you sold your soul to the devil 
uh, or something, or maybe it was you sold your Herschel Walker to Minnesota and that's directly what happened. And you got that big run, but like, I think what's crazy about the Cowboys is the nineties are like our formative years, right? Like there's a whole generation of consumers who grew up thinking the Cowboys, that's why the Cowboys are thought of the way they are today is because they know that if we talk about the Cowboys on TV, a bunch of people that are paying for smart TVs and fucking ESPN packages and all that shit, they grew up watching the Cowboys. That's how, that's what I think it is. That's the, I mean, like, I know it's not rocket science, but it's, it's, so I don't hate the Cowboys. You guys are maybe more chill than people give you credit for. My driver home tonight was a Cowboys fan. I asked him if he thought McCarthy should be fired. He was like, no, I don't think so. I was like, all right. What were your takeaways from the game? He was like, you know, we just didn't play that well. I was like, maybe you guys deserve more credit. Uh, Washington, weird meeting when I went there to visit. Never thought, I mean, I did think about playing there because it was two hours from my house. You got realistic fans. I love that. When I think about a Washington fan, I think about PFT commenter. Like that is your central casting Washington Commanders fan, uh, formerly known as the Redskins. My uh, wife's roommate, for instance, huge Washington Redskins fan at the time, called them the Foreskins endearingly. She's a Redskins fan. She's calling them the Foreskins. She's going to the game. She said, I'm going to the Foreskins game. Like that's what their fans think about the team. And what's fucked up is if it weren't for Dan Snyder, I think you're an America's team. I really do. If you think about it, you had an offensive line with a nickname, check. You have a cool-ass coach that objectively everybody likes that won multiple championships and did race car stuff. Um, and you're in the nation's capital. Why are you not more popular? I like your fans. You guys are realistic. Giants, I know nothing about you guys. To me, there's no in between. It's like 23-year-old frat kid from Long Island or 46-year-old Italian guy. Everybody has dark hair. That's how I picture all Giants fans. I might be I mean, it's a whole city. It's the Big Apple, dude. I can't I can't picture anybody. I don't have any association with the Giants. I respect you guys. I never thought about playing for the Giants. Okay, Seattle, that's on my list. I did think about playing for Seattle. I think what would have been cool about Seattle would have been, and honestly, I've said this before, I was jealous of their setup. Um, I think what's cool about Seattle is all that talk about podcasting earlier and how hard it is. I don't think I'm doing any of it if I played for Seattle. I think I end up Bill Gates' and Dominican Sue. You know what I'm saying? You, you know what I'm saying, Matt. J you know, uh, Buffett, Warren Buffett. And how rich he is, he's like, I've just taken Indomitian Sue under my wing, you know, and you just, you just, you just play football. When you get out, you can be even richer than you, you would have been because that, that's how I think it would have gone. It would have been, and I know some people don't like Bill Gates, whatever, just insert tech billionaire here. I would have met him. Sparks would have flew and you'd have never heard from me again. I'd be making fucking widgets. Or whatever that is. What does a widget mean anyways? It's just an item? I thought it was some like web thing. That That's what I thought. Okay, yeah. okay, there we go. I was right. I'd be making widgets and I wouldn't be doing this bullshit. I also have a theory I want to share with you Seattle fans while I'm addressing you. Uh, you guys you guys are the best. Like really, you guys, the 12s are legit. Yeah, fucking nothing but respect for them. I know a lot of this is fucking around, but 
Um, I do have a theory. What year did real quick, what year did, did, did marijuana become, um, legal? Like when did dispensaries open up in Seattle? December, 2012. Interesting. Very interesting. Do you know when it became a real pain in the ass to go play the Seattle Seahawks? I'm guessing about 2012. Circa 2012. <laughs> you know what I think? Free agent destination. No. You know what I think? I think a bunch of guys from states where you were just, you had access to Reggie Miller would fly up to Seattle for two days usually because it's a two-day trip and get high as a giraffe's ass and not understand what they're getting themselves into. I'm not saying every guy, but you know, some guys show up, they're like, oh, I'm just walking in this store and like, yeah, well, I, I like to smoke weed at home. Let me see what they're growing out here on the West Coast. And then they're high for two days. And then they're dealing with the 12s and Russell Wilson and the LOB. I think people were high. That's my theory. Not taking anything away from you guys, but I think you got a lot of people stoned over the over the that period. You know, it's all about the crowd noise and the team. That's that's all well and good. I think you were, I think you had Cheech and Chong scheduled every week, and you didn't you didn't even you didn't mean to. It just kind of fell that way. To not taking anything away from you guys, one and seven up in Seattle. Okay, but I also played great. Every time I played in Seattle, no coincidence, okay? The Cardinals, listen, I've told this story before on the, the show. I never had a bad dealing with a Cardinals fan, mostly because I just don't run into them a lot, and that's not a diss. I just, like, I'm not in that part of the country. It is a, it's a smaller market, I guess, relative to other teams, like if, if you look at, like, TV markets and that sort of thing. So I'm not throwing shade. I did have one bad interaction in Phoenix that I can't get out of my head. Um. Do you remember Carlos Boozer? Of course. Yeah, you guys know the story. Nolan didn't know this story, but long story short, Carlos Boozer is like my Highlander beef as an athlete. Him and JaVale McGee, because JaVale McGee walked right by me. I was like, hey, JaVale McGee. I went to dap him up, and he just like basically like Euro-stepped me, but in a way that like his, he, he moved his arm like <laughs> over my head. I like walked by him at the club, and he like put his arm up here and was like, yep, going to the bathroom. And I was like, fuck, man, that felt terrible. But the other time was Carlos Boozer. And although Carlos Boozer looked a lot older than me, was way more accomplished than me when I was like 16, 17, I was at U-Haul, the old stadium at Virginia watching UVA and Duke. And I got some good seats because my buddy had good seats. And we were sitting there, we we're hanging over the rafters. And Boozer's walking out. And I'm like, Boozer, you're ugly. <laughs> you know, or something like that. And he looked up at me and like eye contact and, you know, he's just so fucking big. He was a lot bigger in person and a lot more older than me looking. And full beard. It, yeah, he had a full beard and shit. And I'm like, God damn, dude, I'm sitting up here in some vineyard vines. going to get, you know, I got a belt with whales on it. I didn't really have a belt with whales on it, but some of my <laughs> friends did. Anyways, fast forward, playing the Cardinals, riding the elevator with a couple of my buddies, um, you know, kind of like just, just yucking it up. It's Saturday. We play Sunday and the elevator door opens. It's floor four and big ass dude gets on. He's bald. He's got a beard. He's got a weird release. <laughs> Anyways, he's a good player though. Anyways, we ride down the elevator, three levels to the lobby. Lobby door opens. Carlos Boozer walks off. I guess he's playing the Suns. 
I walk around the corner about 90 seconds later. He's yucking it up with some guy on his team, and he's like, and next thing I know, I'm like, what the fuck are they laughing about? They're on the Rams. Oh, shit. And I just kept walking. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, you know, it's just boozer, boozer, boozer. Has nothing to do with Cardinals fans. That's my one memory. My only other memory about going down there and playing the Cardinals is it's an awesome trip in December. When you get off the plane and you play somewhere like St. Louis and you get off that plane and they get you staying in some place. That's the one thing Jeff Fisher was. I love Jeff Fisher because Jeff Fisher would make sure we stayed somewhere nice. We always stayed on some golf course. That's about the only place you can find grass or trees in Phoenix. That's that's the disorienting part of landing in Phoenix and going to some Phoenix hotel. There's no trees. There's no landmarks. I have no fucking clue where I am. Next thing you know, they put you in a, a bus and drive you like 40 minutes out in the desert. If I wasn't on a Quicks bus with my teammates, I think I was getting murdered and dumped in a hole. There's a toaster out there, and that's where you play football. And it looks totally fucked up, but when you go in... They cart the grass in from outside. I think it's one of my favorite stadiums to actually play in. It's just a super weird atmosphere. The game day atmosphere is live, though. Cardinals fans, I, you know, like, I got no I got no beef. Y'all are cool. Except there was this one guy in the corner of the end zone who was talking shit during D-line Indy one year. And after the game, I ran 70 yards to find him. And then he called me classless. <laughs> so you know who you are. Guy in the right-hand side corner of the end zone. Nondescript white guy. Had a kid with him that he was cussing me out in front of. Then turned it back on me when I ran over. Not in front of my kid. Please. You're at a Cardinals game. Just joking. <laughs> okay. The Rams. I already played for the Rams. The reason I, I'm skipping the Eagles, the Rams, too. I I want to apologize to the Rams fans, first off, because I was wrong about your team this year. I mean, like, I did not think that – I thought you guys should hit the reset button. I underestimated Matt's health. I underestimated how good he was this year. I don't underestimate Les, and I don't underestimate Sean. I think they're awesome. I just might have hit the reset button. But what a year it was. It was awesome. And, you know, I was wrong about you guys. I actually have no beef with y'all. I don't know if you know that or not, but – Here's another team I thought about, the Kansas City Chiefs. That's a team I, I, I think would have been cool. Um, there's two ways of looking at it. Number one, would have been cool. Number two, wouldn't have been cool. I'll tell you why it would have been cool. Okay? Chiefs fans have it made. I think that whole setup is awesome. Uh, you got red and yellow, ketchup and mustard. I love those colors. Um, I love the old stadium. When, when you play in that stadium, it feels like, the Jetsons built it in the past, and they were trying to build a stadium that would look futuristic. It's like kind of the architecture of that time. And, you know, like the signage is still original. I love how many cars you see outside the damn stadium. I think it's so cool. It's a, What it is to me is I love pictures in the 90s. Like, you know, like I could look at them all day. It looks like it's 1996 when they're having a game. Down to the way that people dress, starter jackets, Zubas, like that stadium's retro. You got Mahomes, you got Reed. Now the chop, the chop thing, I want to level with you guys because I'm not here to say the chop should get taken away. That's not, that's not for me to decide. I'm not the moral authority on that. It doesn't suck to look at, but you have to admit it kind of sucks. 
You have to admit it kind of sucks. And this isn't me like, because I, you know, I'm not trying to moral high ground you here, but imagine that Pakistan was like, yeah, you know, I think I want to live in America. And I don't want to live there with any Americans either. So Pakistan comes over and they just bulldoze us. They're like, hey, here's some blankets. We're going to cover them with anthrax. We're going to engage in a little biological warfare. We're going to like run up on your shit and not give it back and then act like we're trying to help you. But we're really not prioritizing you at all throughout the rest of the history of our country, which is now our country. And um, fast forward 200 years, Pack Stadium, they're watching cricket in Overland Park. They built a big cricket stadium there. They're doing the wave. Oh, stop. <laughs> 200 years from now, doing the wave at a senator's game. The logo's like a fucking white guy or something. You know? <laughs> like, how do you... We, you're not upset? You don't see how it sucks? It kind of sucks. The wave, like, the wave is something for me that looks cool. Or the uh, the chop. Looks cool as shit, undoubtedly. Who doesn't like hearing somebody go, oh, oh, oh. Um, but I just, I just, you know, it's I'm kind of conflicted on that thing because of the whole Pakistan picture I just painted you. Okay. But the other thing is the way I could look at it and say, Hey, it's a good thing. I didn't play for the chiefs. Can you imagine if I fell to the chiefs, my life would have been in a lot of ways better, right? Same region of the country. We would have won more the whole thing. Glenn Dorsey was picked by the chiefs. Um, hell of a player, Glenn Dorsey was on all the awards circuits with him and we didn't know where we we're going to end up, but can you imagine me retiring in 2018, a Kansas city chief? Like say I played my whole career in Kansas city and was like, yeah, I'm hanging it up. I'll go do something. Go do something else. And they're like, we're trading up for Patrick Mahomes. And then I got to watch him win three championships. I am so glad I did not play for the chiefs because that would have been impossible to watch playing 11 years 12 years in kansas city and then watching patrick mahomes win all these championships i would have got off off the bus at the wrong time so it's almost a blessing i didn't play for you guys but in another life you guys have an awesome fan base and that stadium is amazing and you can tell when i talk about your team i have a lot of reverence for teams that get there year after year i just do I, I just think it's really cool. The Raiders are another team that I would have definitely liked to have played for. The Oakland Raiders. Now I love that Vegas stadium, but um, I'll, I'll sum it up for you in one one word or one sentence: is Raider fans. I'll give you an example. One time, my dad almost got in a fight in the parking lot with a with a Raiders fan, which is like. Imagine going to the game at the Coliseum and being like, what are you up to? I'm going to go up to the Coliseum and then get my ass kicked by Howie Long after the game. He's going to walk out of the stadium and beat my ever-loving ass in the parking lot. It's going to be the full game experience. So the guy, my dad doesn't look for trouble, but hey, if trouble finds my dad, it's, he's going to take care of the trouble. And uh, I guess I was a wee lad and uh, somebody came looking for trouble. And my dad, Raiders fans are aggressive enough to try to fight Howie Long in the parking lot. But in the same hand, 
they're trustworthy enough that my dad found one immediately that was willing to stand with me in case it went down. <laughs> so the, the juxtaposition of those two fans is like, it's all in there. But they were they're fearless and aggressive enough to try to fight Howie Long in the parking lot, but trustworthy enough that if Howie Long needs to drop his kid with a total stranger, he felt like he trusted this guy behind the behind the, this is also the 80s or the early 90s like things were different like we played outside there was there was an unmarked van but other than that like you weren't getting like scooped up or nothing like the world's it's totally different now so um also the first time i ever smelled the black hole gas just smelled like gas dude and they had drop ceilings in their facility. When I went and visited there, I almost the closest I ever went to playing there was in the draft. It was Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin was the coach. They got eight foot drop ceilings, like you know, drop ceilings in the offices. Okay, like this is this is like modern NFL. They're walking me through the thing. They were like, "Hey, Lane, Chris Long's here. You want to meet the guy who's visiting? It's top five pick, possibly. We might draft him." And maybe Lane wasn't interested at all, but also Lane's just Lane. Lane comes up. He's like, good, good to meet you. He goes, look good. We'll take you. <laughs> and then he walks away. That was my experience with the Raiders. I like, I don't know what they were, you know. Lastly, I want to say the Broncos are on my watch list here, Reed. The Broncos are on my watch list. You would have you looked good in orange and blue at my high. Well, here's what I like about the Broncos, Reed. Number one, I love the city of Denver. Okay? Fucking, you got me. <laughs> I like sunshine. Sunshine. 300 days of sunshine, legal marijuana, fucking bunch of crunchy-ass people. Huge, huge outdoor stores that I can go in and buy useless shit, like some <laughs> Kavu bag or like a fucking, <laughs> you know, like some, oh, another Patagonia hat. All the REI gear you could, you'd, yeah. Anything you can think of. They have an REI there that you can like ride your bicycle around. Like you want a tent cool. for your dog? No problem. You got it. Okay. But here's what's cool about uh Denver. You guys literally I mean South Park, that's the coolest thing that you guys are like <laughs> a theme in South Park. You know? A hundred percent. It could have been any team. It could have been any town. It had to be the Broncos, I guess. But, like, it is hilarious to me that you guys own that piece of pop culture. And so I love that about the Broncos. Another thing I, I – my question to Broncos fans is, are you aware that horse that's 40 feet tall outside of your stadium has a penis, a big dick? And do you ever think about what they were thinking when they were like – should we put a dick on this horse? <laughs> like, I want I to know who made that executive decision. I don't think it's that. I don't who think it's checked that box. I think it's just. I think they were just like realism, Peter. It's got to be real. <laughs> and in fact, I need the dick to scale. Okay, the horse is thirty-six feet tall. I need the dick to be at least four to five feet tall. And so somebody's, you know, they're working on this thing like the Statue of Liberty. And, you know, there's a guy assigned to making this. Look at another statue of a horse outside a stadium. Find me another horse with a dick outside a stadium. Dick and balls. Look at this horse. 
You bet you never saw the balls, have you, Reed? No. I didn't, really, I didn't as know they much added as you the like the Broncos, you didn't know the Bronco, the giant Broncos horse had balls and and twenty seven feet tall, right? Or is that the airport Bronco? At least at the airport, they had the decency not to give it a massive cock. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this picture where they're erecting this horse for the first time. The thing's got a piece. Are you dumbfounded by this at all? That they were like, yeah, let's put a dick on this horse. A hundred percent because it's a family, uh, you know, it's football. You got kids walking by there. And what are they, what are they going to ask? They're going to ask questions. And, uh, is that horse excited? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Broncos scored a touchdown. Is son. that horse happy to see me? <laughs> the horse is always excited. The Dolphins, I just want to say this Dolphins fans, like it would have been cool to play for the Dolphins. And honestly, uh, I'm excited to root for you guys in 24. I just want to say this. Like, if y'all have me, I'd love to jump on the bandwagon. Seeing as I didn't really say anything that wasn't true. Like, I just re- I, I want to root for the Dolphins, man. I like I like your colors. You know, talking about, you know, um, talking about a, a franchise that would be, it'd be awesome to see you guys win a Super Bowl where I don't have to get a tattoo as a result, but it would be awesome. I also, you talking about, um franchises with pop culture real estate how many movies primarily feature any other nfl team i mean the little giants and you know like cowboys but those are the little giants we got dan marino and the dolphins in ace ventura like it's a real thing and i thought that was really cool like growing up to see the dolphins and snowflake and everything you guys got going on down there featured in a motion picture i would love to be with you guys in 24. This is your mission. If you choose to accept it, allow Chris Long to root for the Dolphins in 2024. You guys are going to hate me. You thought you hated me in 23. If Kirk Cousins goes down there, I'm getting a Kirk Cousins Miami Dolphins jersey. I'll wear it on the podcast. I really would like to see you guys win. I cheered so fucking loud during the Miami miracle. It was insane. All right. Love Chad Pennington, Ricky Williams, obviously, Vonnie Holiday. You want me to just start naming Dolphins? Randy McMichael, Chambers, Incognito. While I'm at it, you had the guy from Stanford, the offensive tackle. This is the way my brain works. It went from Richie to him. All right. Lastly, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. I listen, I I just feel this magnetism. Like I really do. I've been trying to get my kid to be a Jags fan and not a Dolphins fan, ironically, for the better part of a year. I just think Jacksonville and I would have got along swimmingly. Like I really think I would have done fine in that city. It's a small market team, a lot like St. Louis in some ways. Uh, and the best part about the city, not a lot of people. Huge city, not a lot of people. Like playing Grand Theft Auto. It's just an open map with no crime. Like you go Was swimmingly you a pun? Well, yeah, because there's a fucking pool in there. It wasn't a pun, but it's true. We would have gotten along swimmingly. You, you've you talked a lot about the pee in the pool. Would you have gone in the pool if you Absolutely. played in Jacksonville? After every game. <laughs> you, I want, when I say I want to be a part of Jacksonville, you know, like Garden Key was a part of Jacksonville. I want to be a part of Jacksonville. I want to really get in the pool with Jacksonville. 
you know, I don't want to be about it. I want to get in the pool with y'all. Thanks for being on today. Um, it's pretty late, so we're going to go to bed and um, we'll catch you on Friday for the previews. Thank <laughs> you.